0: Hear now the word of our Lord from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing and abundance so that by always having enough of everything you may share abundantly in every good work as it is written He scatters abroad he gives to the poor his righteousness endures forever He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and the increase uh, and increase the harvest of your righteousness You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and by generosity of your sharing with them and with all others, while they long for you and pray for you because... Of the surpassing grace of God that he has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. There was a wise old Middle Eastern mystic who said this about himself I was a revolutionary when I was young, and all my prayer to God was, Lord, give me the energy to change the world. As I approached middle age and realized that my life was half gone without changing a single soul, I changed my prayer to, Lord, give me the grace to change all those who I come in contact with. Just my family and friends and I shall be satisfied. Now that I am an old man and my days are numbered, I have begun to see how foolish I have been. My one prayer now is, Lord, give me the grace to change myself. And then he said, If I had prayed that right from the start, give me grace to change myself, I wouldn't have wasted so much of my life. If today's scripture is about anything, it's about asking for goodness of God's grace and the power of God's spirit to change ourselves. This is the second sermon in a series on faithful Christian stewardship. Last week, we considered what it meant to to trust God with all that we are and all that we have. We we heard how Jesus fed a crowd of 5,000 with two fish and five loaves. We heard how Jesus viewed uh, the world and how the disciples viewed the world. Jesus looked at that small amount of bread and fish and saw God's abundance, and the disciples looked at it and saw their scarcity. The disciples did not understand what Jesus saw. Jesus embraced that food and said, there is plenty of God in the abundance of this fish and this loaf. And because there's plenty of God, there will be plenty of anything else. Now hear this, this is not some prosperity gospel. The plenty of God is always up to God, how God will dispense that plenty. On that day, it was that everybody should be filled with food and leftovers for the disciples in Jesus to take on their journey for the poor. On any given day in our lives, the plenty of God will look differently. Our job in all of this is to be prepared to live graciously, give generously, that plenty of God that we experience. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Macedonia and asking for money to help the church in Jerusalem. And I know here is where some of us say, there it is. (laughs) There it is. The church is asking for money. Now, in the first service, I said, I'd love to find a study of this because I think it's more cultural legend than truth that the church is always asking for money. I just, I haven't experienced it. Well, I asked a church member after 830 worship, and I said, have you ever experienced the church asking for money all the time? He said, Yep. What I want to say then is this. You will not hear me asking for money. You will hear me talking about Christian discipleship. And I will never um, talk about uh, resources and money, time, talent outside of the values of Christian discipleship. Um, So the church asks for money, as a part of our Christian stewardship, this is what I know. Jesus talked more about money and the use of money than he did the kingdom of God. And what I'll say to you, and I said to the first service, go ahead and Google it. (laughs) And if I'm wrong, come talk to me. I'll admit it. But I know our Lord talked about the use of money more than he did the kingdom of God. I'm convinced he did this because life in the kingdom of God is about experiencing transformation, about becoming generous and life-giving. You see, there's an intimate relationship between who we are and what we do with our resources. If you want to know what I believe and what I value, look at where I spend my money and my time and my resources. And by the way, as I... Uh, was working on this sermon this week, it was not lost on me how much I must love Starbucks. Because Jesus said that where our treasure is, there will our hearts be also. And where our heart is, is where we will put our treasure. And Jesus and Paul and the Christian community, they all understood, understood this, that until a change of heart has gotten into one's purse or pocketbook or to one's a calendar, of time, um, a transformation is still in process because we direct our resources to what we love. And we would do well to pray that prayer. Lord, give me the grace and the strength to change myself so I can experience what it means to live graciously and give generously. You know, sometimes we need a spiritual checkup, reflecting on how we, we live as disciples of Jesus Christ. It may be asking ourselves that, that historical uh, Wesleyan question. How is it with your soul? How is it with my soul? Or it may be asking um, and having a conversation with a spouse or uh, your children or significant others, asking them how they see generosity in your life. In his book, um, Evan Thomas's book, Robert Kennedy, His Life, Thomas notes that Kennedy was a, a person of wealth, and privilege, and he, but he rarely carried cash during his time on the road. He relied upon his entourage to take care of the tabs. And the story is, one day, Kennedy, who was a devout Catholic, was attending a church service with a friend who was part of the entourage. So when the offering plate passed, the friend, on behalf of Robert Kennedy, put a dollar in the offering plate, only to hear Kennedy mutter don't you think I'd be more generous than that? (laughs) But it makes me think, if my family or my friends or the congregation I'm privileged to serve, if you were to put money in the offering plate for me, I wonder how much you would put in. I pray, reflecting on my life, that it would be a generous much. But you know what? Giving is... um, is a practice. And like any practice, we sometimes fall short and are found wanting. It's a practice of the heart, giving as a measurement of our vision of life, remembering Jesus' vision of abundance and the disciples' vision of scarcity. We choose between these in our life. When I study for sermon preparation, I use different versions of the scripture. And I want to read this passage to you again from another version that I sometimes used the message, I think it thickens the story of what um, we're hearing here. And I may stop and reflect on a verse, so uh, hang in there with me. It begins this way. Remember, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. I love that that sentence there. Take plenty of time to think it over, pray over it, and make up your mind what you will give. That will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when uh, the giver delights in the giving. God can pour out the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything more than just ready to do what needs to be done. In other words, the more we live generously, the more we, we give graciously, uh, the more we are ready to live that way when life's circumstances come upon us. Marge, don't let me tell this story wrong, okay? Um, Marge, Marge Muir was at um, the hospital one day, someone was in the line with her at the cafeteria. Didn't have enough money. They had forgotten to put money in their pocket. Anybody ever forgot to do that besides me? Marge paid for the gentleman's um, purchase. And she told him, just pay it forward. And he did. She got home and she owned some goats. That man had given goats. It wasn't through um, heifer, oxfam. That man had gone home and given goats to third-world country from Oxfam in Marge's name. Marge was ready to act generously, to live graciously. It goes on, This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meal is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something that you can then give away. Last week I spoke about giving God what we can and doing what we can do, and that's plenty enough, and it is. This is true, but giving to God is not giving sparingly or begrudgingly. Paul uses that metaphor that the church at Macedonia would have understood about sowing seed, reminding us that if we sow sparingly, the crop will reflect that. If we sow bountifully, the crop will respect that. So whether we're growing melons or mission projects, Paul is right. We can't expect significant results without making significant investment. I'm not positive about this, but I think it was Martin Luther, the reformer, who said, a ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. In other words, there's not going to be a great harvest of pumpkins in the fields or peoples in the pews unless we make a willing, uh, significant investment of our time, our talent, our resources, our treasures. The Scripture is an invitation here to live well to live a robust life, to live a joyful life, to live a life of gratitude. It's a call for us to live graciously and to give generously. <clears throat> because giving to, uh, through the life of the church or missions uh, is an act of worship, it's a witness. One pastor writes about his experience about giving as a young pastor, He says, I preached once a month at a retirement center, a nursing home. The lay leader of the worship there was a resident. In his younger days, he had been a professional musician with some big bands. He was an exuberant Christian, joyful Christian, now in his 80s, and he still played the trombone, loudly, which was needed. It was great, he said. There we were, me in my 20s and the rest in their 80s, and we were just rocking. In his giving, this musician's joy was infectious. It flowed out on them and back to him. The young pastor said, after our time of praise and worship, I asked the old man why he had continued to play all these years. And he said to me, well, when I came to the Lord, I brought my trombone with me. Hear that? He lived through giving. He gave something that was very precious to him <clears throat> he still had good days and bad days he still lived with life's limitations but this man was alive he was joyful this man brought his trombone with him into his life with our lord and to others he brought that trombone allowing them to to worship and to give thanks and praise so we must ask ourselves must not we when we come to the when we came to the lord did we bring our trombone with us What's the trombone for you? Here's the thing. The greatest good that comes from the act of giving is that it provides both the giver and the receiver the opportunity uh, to thank God. This gives people hope in the midst of hopelessness. It gives meaning in the midst of meaninglessness. When the saints of Jerusalem and received this, um, this uh, offering from the church of Macedonia, there's no doubt that they would have given thanks to God. And they would have given thanks to the people who gave. And we've seen this recently, haven't we? Haven't we seen in the days, um, the short days behind this, that when aid and offering is made to hurricane uh, survivors, that they are gracious people, they are thankful people, they thank their God and they thank the giver and then the giver thanks God that they had it to give Something's really interesting about this piece of scripture is that you notice Paul never told the church in Macedonia why the people in Jerusalem needed the offering he said we just need to take up an offering for them in other words Paul was emphasizing the growth of discipleship and being obedient to us, being called to be gracious and generous in all that we do. We are to bring our our own trombones into our relationship with our Lord. You know what that is for you, or maybe you can discover what that is for you, but it is a way that we can be grateful for God's blessings and then to be gracious and how we offer them to others. Let us pray.
1: Spirit
0: of the living God Fall afresh on me Spirit of the living God me no said let us stand and let